Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It is Championship Saturday. Welcome to TC Live at the U.S. Open, our one-hour post-game show to break down the women's final and get you set for tomorrow's men's championship. A new U.S. Open winner crowned today inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. Start spreading the news. It is a teenage dream for Coco Gauff. She conquers the concrete jungle for her first major title just the third american team to win the women's title at the u.s open from a set down for the third time this tournament and that trophy is hers for a lifetime what a moment the 19 year old raising the u.s open trophy come on into our studio steve weissman paul anacone chanda rubin we got prakash amitraj in the house john wertheim coming up momentarily but sensational stuff for the teenage sensation coming through and winning her first major title, Chanda. I mean, I got tears in my eyes, mm. Steve, at the end of that match. It was just an incredible moment. And you, when you think of the ups and downs that Coco Gauff has had, losing in the first round of Wimbledon just a couple of months ago and finding the strength to turn things around to win multiple tournaments before coming into this year's U.S. Open and winning it the way she did. I mean, you can't say enough about her effort. I remember some of the moments like last year at the French Open in that final where she was in tears, the disappointment not getting that major title. You never know what's around the corner in this sport in particular. And I think for Gauff, it's just validation of all of the work, all of the belief, the will that she had to win, and it was tremendous to see. You, you look at the entire crowd there, everyone was cheering for her, the energy was absolutely electric, and you think in these moments in life, it's, it's, it's all about destiny. When, when destiny presents itself, will you meet the moment? I mean, Coco has been under so much scrutiny ever since she first burst on the scene at Wimbledon uh, when she beat Venus Williams. And just eyeball after eyeball, hoping she's going to get over the top, made that French Open final. And today, she met it. Uh, it got us all emotional out mm -hmm. there. Absolutely beautiful to see. Yeah, one of the most amazing things for me when you see a young player like that start a match like she did. I mean, she just got bullied. You know, she was in this huge arena playing a woman that has had a spectacular year that came out firing on all cylinders. And Coco Goff showed us all what she's made of. She just buckled down. She stayed in the moment. She figured out exactly what she needed to do to make Sabalenka hit more balls, to find ways to claw into the match. And she rose to the occasion, did, let, did not let the moment bother her, and she trusted herself. I mean, at 19 years of age, it is so astounding to watch her do that and then to listen to how she speaks. It is just incredible. Um, I don't think any of us thought it was going to be an if we just yeah. thought it was going to be a when, and when's today, guys. It was uh, pretty spectacular. It, it really was, and we've all seen the video of, of young Coco yeah. as, a, as an eight-year-old, you know, dancing in the stands, Arthur Ashe Kids Day, and now to see her with that trophy just 11 years later, just 
you know, there, there are no words. We were all emotional seeing Coco Golf win the U.S. Open trophy. This is how it went down. Paul, first set, as you mentioned, uh, Sabalenka came out firing. Yeah, this was it. This is what the number one player in the world does, and that's what Sabalenka's going to be come Monday, number one in the world. She's been spectacular, and she was absolutely bludgeoning the tennis ball. She just took the racket out of Coco's hands. She was dictating everything. A couple of unforced errors here and there. There were only minor, minor hiccups, but she didn't let it phase her. Sabalenka stayed aggressive, kept hitting power groundies, came in when she had to finish. I, I thought she started off exactly how she needed to. Let the teenager know you've done this, you've been there before, and that you're going to be able to manage the moment and trust your game. And that's exactly what she did at the beginning. The most amazing thing to me was exactly what happened and what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But this first set, guys, Sabalenka did exactly what she needed to do. She was just awesome with the power and dictating play. She started exactly the way she wanted to. Well, second set, uh, what I loved about Coco is her body language stayed positive all the way through. Even after losing that first set, never got down on herself, kept running. Her athleticism was on full display here. Even the points she lost, getting to everything adds that collective cumulative pressure on Sabalenka, which eventually started drawing errors. Really picked up her serve as well. 45% first serves won in the first set. Second set, 81 Coco really stepped it up. She was three for three, saving break points. And again, this cumulative pressure, one of the best points of the match here. You can see Sabalenka going sideline to sideline. Come on. Coco finding a way to get in. And even though Sabalenka somehow creates a winner here, it's that pressure over and over again that I think just got a bit too much. Coco did a great job. Only got that one break. One break point, converted, but did such a good job taking care of her serve. That's all she needed. And right there, guys, stepping into that forehand, something we haven't seen a whole lot of but look good today and she's able to close out this second set taking it 6-3 and from this moment you could see a change in the attitude that the crowd was really behind Coco Golf this entire match Prakash number one of the world in doubles too showing a little net skills over there like to see that a bit more Jimmy Butler Nicole Kidman Charlize Theron everyone approving so many celebrities in the stands all right so at this point Chanda it's one set apiece. What was the difference, in your opinion, that second set? You know, I think the beginning of the second set, where Goff was able to kind of weather the storm. Sabalenka had game points to stay on serve. 2-1. Goff was able to turn that game around and get the break. That was just a little extra bit of push and momentum she needed after losing the first set the way she did. And I think it was also the change in her demeanor. She was getting pushed around, as you mentioned, Paul. And I think she just started stepping in just a little bit more. She started getting into forehand. That allowed her to get a little bit, bit better direction on those shots. She started going for the open court when she had those opportunities. And every little bit helps when you are in that kind of situation against a big hitter. If you show them you're going to meet the challenge, a lot of times you'll have a few more openings. And I think that allowed her to change things around there. Yeah, I think so much of it is what you said, Chandra, right? The first set, she was just a bit shell-shocked. I mean, she was just getting um, absolutely hammered with huge ground strokes. The second set just took a little bit. Uh, of a second for her to take a breath and all of a sudden not only was she defending but she was defending with purpose she was keeping the ball deep in the court getting some unforced errors then getting up to the baseline getting to offense when she had to but when she didn't have to or could 
she backed up and again did such a great job shrinking the court. She made the target smaller, the errors came, and that really seized the momentum in the second set for her. Technically, she, she definitely made those adjustments, but I think mentally she was, she was unbelievable all the way through this event and quite frankly the whole summer. This is the third time that she had to come back from a set down in this event, but she looked locked in the entire time. Even in her last press conference, giving a nod to the great Kobe Bryant, she said, you know what, job's not finished. She hasn't looked satisfied at all. She looks so keyed in. Even, even in the third set when she had a bit of a break, she's, she's, she's not leaving the court. She looked very present today. Not easy to do. Down a set, grand slam final at home. Yeah, playing the number one player in the world. And that would carry over into the third set, which Coco Goff started so strong, Chanda. And I think that's always a big key. The beginning of these sets, especially for a big title like this, and on Sabalenka serve, golf and using the speed, the wheels, the intensity to get up to these kinds of shots and make something out of nothing. And what a huge boost to get a break right at the beginning of the set. I think that kind of shocked Sabalenka. She started overplaying even more. And you consider how much golf was able to shrink the court, how many shots she was able to get back. Sabalenka needed a break. She called for the trainer. She got a little massage, had a little chat going on. And I think a little head kinda, massage. Should have gotten a little. I do think it kind of helped her, helped her reset a little bit because she came back and immediately got the break. But golf got right back to business, and that's also a sign of the maturity of golf, that she's able to do these resets mid-match. Not easy in this big of an occasion, being so close to winning the title, the forehand again, coming through big. And if she wasn't confident on that side before, the way she went after that shot, she is now. And we know how, de how devastating the backhand is, fitting that she got it on match point. And you could see the emotions pouring out for Coco Golf. Her first Grand Slam title. Talk about some of the motivation after the match. A month ago, I won a 500 title, and people said I would stop at that. Uh, two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. Um, so three, like, three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. Um, so the <laughs> You know, I tried my best to carry this with grace and I've been doing my best so honestly to those who thought we're who we, those who thought we were putting water on my fire you're really adding gas to it and now I'm really burning so bright right now yeah you are Coco burning the brightest of all talk your talk championship stats for Coco golf second serve points one obviously 11% higher there was able to get five breaks of serve to four for Sabalenka and the unforced errors. Wow, 46 for Rina Sabalenka. A much smaller gap between winners to unforced errors for Coco Golf, and she is your champion. We now welcome in the fifth member of our U.S. Open TC Live squad, John Wertheim, who is in Arthur Ashe Stadium. John, uh, what's your reaction to Coco Golf getting her first major title? Yeah, well, what a day. These breakthroughs come in all different shapes and sizes, and sometimes it's a dazzling performance, and sometimes it's lightning in a bottle. Today was, uh, to borrow a phrase, winning ugly. I mean, this wasn't Pete Coco necessarily, but I think she's got to be so thrilled by the way she fought, rough first set, and then she simply reset and said, I'm not leaving the court anything but a winner. She got a lot of help from the opponent, a lot of unforced errors. But, you know, it's not its not like missed free throws in basketball. It's like missed jumpers when they're being defended. I think Coco's defense played a big role in those unforced errors. And I think the way she was able to sort of flush that first set and come back and say, you know what, I'm playing in my second major final. I've lost three sets. I'm not losing any more today. 
I think in a weird way, this is almost just as gratifying as if she came out and played the kind of transfixingly brilliant tennis she's capable of. John, what was your reaction to what Coco said after the match about uh, some, some folks not putting water on the fire, but, but putting gas on it? That had uh, echoes of, of Brad Gilbert, because I'm sort of thinking, who, who exactly was doubting exactly. Coco? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think when she, when she won Washington, you know, athletes tell themselves stories all the time, and there, there are plenty of, uh, you know, 10-to-1 favorites who say, we shook up the world and no one believed us, and if that's what motivates you, great. But I'm sort of thinking, wait a second, who are these doubters exactly? I think after she won D.C., everybody said, oh, great, Coco's resetting. She's going to win the U.S. Open. Um, I, I heard a lot more uh, favorable coverage, but, you know, if, if honestly, if, if grasping on to those few people, whether they're social media or whether these are, I, I don't know who these people are necessarily, but if that's what motivates her to win majors, go, go ahead, find that one in a hundred critics. Cause I think most people think, uh, she's, she's pretty wonderful. And after she won DC, I don't, I don't think too many people said she's done winning. I think everybody said, great. The spigots tapped. This is a gateway to more. Let's see if she wins the U S open. And by God, she did. Yeah. John, I, I know, you know, the four of us doing TC live for two weeks, we all pick Coco at, at the beginning of this tournament. She must not have been so, watching, she must not have been watching exactly. at that moment, Steve. Just saying. Exactly. <laughs> We, we believed all along, and uh, certainly as you take a look at these numbers, Shanda, what she's been able to accomplish, and, and joining Tracy Austin and Serena Williams, the first teenager to win, American teenager to win the U.S. Open since Serena. I mean, so much to look at. This is a very small graphic of the history that she will eventually create, but her third title in the last four events, and the titles have gotten bigger and bigger. 12-match win streak. It's the type of confidence she brought into this final, even though she lost the first set. I think that helped, and a career high on Monday, number three in the world now, just inching her way up. And number one in doubles as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what a moment for Coco Golf, And, you know, there's more to come. She is now the top-ranked American in the world, and uh, that top, top spot is on the way. Take a look at the road, two, and three times had to come from a set down. Yeah, it's, it's been a spectacular couple of weeks. It's been a spectacular summer, and the trajectory is just uh, its just through the roof. And you look at the score line, she's had a little bit of everything, right? She's had a little adversity to deal with, a few three-setters. She's had to fight her way through, and today was no different. So for all you doubters out there, a star is born. For all you doubters, both of you, <laughs> both of you that didn't believe that this was going to happen, it's happening, there's more to come. I, I was a star was born at Wimbledon four years back. Now she is a bona fide superstar. Like the supernova has exploded. Now she's a major champ. Everything, everything else is going to just flow from here. Well, that, that's the that's the point. She's finally gotten over this hurdle. It was always going to be wins that first slam, wins that first slam. It comes at the U.S. Open of mm. all of them. You couldn't have scripted it better. Wonder what what she's going to do now. You know? I mean, this is huge for the sport in general. Yeah. Her, her winning this title. A lot more still to come here on TC Live. We will get your uh, way, way too early predictions for the Australian Open. Plus, uh, for the second time in three years, it is Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev in the men's final. Our experts will break that down. History at stake on the doubles court this weekend. We'll tell you what one American did for the very first time. And John Wertheim has the latest on the WTA final saga. We're just getting going on this championship edition of TC Live. Stay here. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Point, the official racket sports retailer of the ATP Tour.
surprised at all that after all these years you are still out here reaching these four grand slam finals this year? Probably sounds cocky or arrogant, but I'm not really surprised. Novak says no, not yet. He loves to prove himself, and with everything he's done, he really doesn't even have to prove himself, but he thrives on that. Daniel Medvedev sends the defending champion packing in New York. Don't ever count this guy out, and especially here in New York. Well, Novak is going to be his best version on Sunday. And I have to be the best ever version of myself if I want to try to beat him. Twenty-four hours from the rematch in the men's final, Novak Djokovic and Daniil Medvedev, and Djokovic, as always, looking to add more history to his resume that is sparkling in so many ways. Would tie Mark Court for the most all-time major titles. All time, men's and women's at 24. Let's hear from Djokovic as he once again approaches that history. Every time I'm in, I'm in a Grand Slam final, it's it's a, another shot uh, for history, you know. And and I'm aware of it, and of course I'm very proud of it. But um, again, I, I don't have much time, nor do I allow myself to reflect on these things or think about the history too much in this in this sense, you know, because. Um, when I did that in the past, like 21 finals here, you know, I was maybe overwhelmed with the occasion and opportunity and I underperformed. So um, I don't want this to, to happen again and I'll, I'll try to, you know, just focus on what needs to be done and, and tactically prepare myself for that match. Well, uh, he's got another opportunity. We'll probably have many more opportunities as well. Four of us with you, John Wertheim in New York as well. And listen, he told us, John, in Roland Gar at Roland Garros that he wanted the Grand Slam. That, that was the next record he wants. But 24 is a pretty good opportunity <laughs> for him as well. Uh, put this all in perspective for us. Yeah, do, do you like the way he reset, by the way? He, he loses that five-set Wimbledon final. The dream of four majors in a year is over. What does he do? He comes back, not only beats him, not only wins Cincinnati, but beats Alcaraz in the process, and then wins six matches here. He's on the threshold of number 24. He's really been... I think it's been Pete Novak. He's taking care of business. Sometimes he's won with defense, sometimes with offense. Sometimes he's dazzled. Sometimes he's won by fighting. And we get a rematch of the final from two years ago. Since that point, however, Djokovic has beaten Medvedev in four of their five matches. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge uh, for both of these players, and in particular for Medvedev, who's lost two times in straight sets this year to Novak. Novak's got the head-to-head uh, in terms of the majors as well. He's won two out of the three major matches that they played. But it was right here where Medvedev was able to take care of business a couple of years ago where there was a huge amount of pressure. But Novak Djokovic, to me, is just the most incredible um, athletic competitor with how he finds different ways to hit reset buttons, new challenges, new people playing over all these years. And I think he said it so well where he said, I don't want to get caught up in the historical perspective of it. I got to take care of business at hand. And that's what he's going to try to do. Now, on the other hand, guys, I'm very interested to see what Medvedev brings tomorrow. I mean, that yesterday may have been the best match I've ever seen Daniel Medvedev play. 
He was spectacular. He wasn't just defensive, Medvedev. He was offensive. Went strong down the line with his two-hander. Did stuff he doesn't like to do. So tomorrow, you're going to have two very, very strategic chess players out there playing a very fun game to watch. Tanda, what's impressed you the most with the way Novak has gone through the field to this final? You know, I think we kind of take for granted the greatness that he brings onto the court time and time again. You think about that Wimbledon final, the disappointment of losing it, the Grand Slam now is off the table, but he does this hard reset. He keeps finding the motivation. He keeps finding the will to go toe-to-toe with guys sometimes almost half his age uh, and to find what he needs to dig out of these matches. And he makes it look easy, and it's mm-hmm. anything but. I mean, any of us that has, have been out there trying to win one tournament, not Grand Slam number 24, uh, it's just incredible when you think about that mindset and and what's between the ears obviously physically he's still such a specimen he still understands how to get his body uh, into peak shape that's been important but it's the mentality that he brings time and time again and we take it for granted it's almost like it's automatic but that takes a tremendous amount of work and willpower at this age it's so important to be measured and just use just enough all the time to be able to get over the line. Even in that match against Jero where he was down two sets of love and somehow found a way, didn't, didn't really look threatened the rest of the way through. Somehow he's found a way to get himself here without putting his body under that much stress. And he got through Cincinnati. I think that final there emotionally was very big for him. After you have that heartbreak as you have and in Wimbledon to be able to get over the hump against Alcaraz, I think it was important from a macro setting also not to lose two in a row against him when everyone's looking at you two sort of over the next 18 months. So I think that was very, very important from that perspective. But coming into here, I don't think he could have set himself up in a better way. Paul, you talked about it. He can do just about everything. In that final against Alcaraz, he's serving volley when he needs to. Chen, you talked about his mentality. He's, he's so present, doesn't focus on the history. I think we're definitely going to see a much better Djokovic than we saw in the 21 final against Medvedev. But um, Medi's bringing some new stuff, as you talked about. <laughs> in that last match, that was exciting to watch. I think we're in for a little bit of stuff that we haven't seen before, even though they know each other so well. Yeah, he was like, he forgot about me. I'm so, everybody's thinking it's going to be Alcaraz Djokovic yeah. again. This may even be better for Djokovic, though, because he's got that revenge factor from a couple of years ago. It's the 15th meeting between Novak Djokovic and Daniil Medvedev. Djokovic leads 9-5 overall. They have split two meetings this year. Fourth meeting at a major, fourth in a final facing each other. Djokovic 2-1 in both of those categories. But Medvedev 1-0 at the U.S. Open. Here's what he had to say about tomorrow's match. He's always better uh, than previous time he plays so for example i beat him u.s open final he beat me in Bercy in a great match carlos beat him wimbledon he beat him cincinnati so Novak is gonna be his best version on sunday and i have to be the best ever version of myself if i want to try to beat him no lies told there we flashed back well a couple years ago it was medvedev that ended the hopes of a grand slam for djokovic here in new york yeah i mean this was a tremendous match for medvedev and i don't want to take anything away from him but let's not forget what was going on in novak djokovic's mind the chance to win the calendar grand slam and uh, he put a ton of pressure on himself and ultimately that man was such an incredible defender and maximizer of what he had on the day he had novak coming forward a lot trying to figure out what he could do to change his own excellence and his own strategic game plan to put pressure on medvedev and he wasn't able to do it daniel medvedev was awesome on this day i'm still trying to figure out what that is
Celebrations are, uh, have been taken to another level on, on all fronts. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about more I'm of that. I'm here for it, though. I am I'm here so for here it. for it. But more on that later on TC Live. John, uh, let's bring John back in, uh, waiting for us here in New York. What, what, what's going to be your key to this matchup between Djokovic and Medvedev? Yeah, I, I think some of this is, is Medvedev just going to stand on the pocket and go backhand to backhand with Novak. He's one of the few players that can do that. Court position will be interesting. But I think you know, I, I spoke with people in Djokovic's camp maybe a year ago or so, and they said when he came out for that final two years ago, he was really sort of jarred a little bit by the fact that he had this reception from the crowd. They don't attribute the loss to that, but they said just sort of emotionally, it was very strange for him to be in this position of, oh, wow. There are 25,000 people that are suddenly cheering for me, and they kind of threw him a little bit. I think the atmosphere will be interesting. Medvedev has been very poised. I mean, you notice he had some funny outbursts, but those were earlier in the tournament. He was really, really buttoned up against Alcaraz, and I think he's kind of a, a different player as the tournament gets rolling, and I give Medvedev a real chance here. Um, I, You know, again, I, I think we'll see what happens when he gets in these long rallies with Djokovic, but... As Paul said, I mean, he was dazzling. I mean, that may have been the match of his career. 12 out of 10, he gave himself. Uh, if he can go, like, only 10 out of 10, um, I think he's got a real shot against Novak. Uh, I think he needs to go 13, 14 out of 10. But what do you think, what's the strategy for Novak to win this match? Well, I think, I think Medvedev's going to try to come out and serve as well as he possibly has. So Novak has to continue putting pressure every single return game that he can because I don't think that Novak has the edge on the serve. And I think he's just got to be a little bit more aggressive, perhaps cut off a few more points. Alcaraz, we saw him have tremendous success against Medvedev, serve and volleying a ton, cutting off the court a bit, using some of those angles. Novak's very capable of that. Now, yeah. I don't think he's going to do it at the same pace and consistency that Alcaraz did it, but I think if he can mix that in, it's, it's going to make it an easier match for him. He's not going to have to get into as many long, drawn-out rallies. I don't think Novak's going to blow him off the court just with his pace. So if he can be a little bit more dynamic out there, I think that's going to be a huge key for him. And, you know, I remember the atmosphere that match two years ago at the U.S. Open going into, and I think a lot of us were penciling Djokovic in. I mean, yeah. it seemed like it was going to be a done deal that he was going to get the Grand Slam. So many people in the, in the crowds, in the stands that were looking to see that and just knew that that was going to be the moment. And I think he kind of took it for granted maybe because the first set, Medvedev came out playing terrific tennis. Djokovic wasn't playing quite as well, and it was just a bad combination, and he couldn't quite overcome it in such a big moment. I think – Djokovic has to get off to a better start, obviously. He's got to look to keep holding serve early, get that first set tucked away. We talk about it with some of the younger, more inexperienced players, but I think in this moment, it's going to apply to Djokovic. He's got to kind of get things going early. It's going to be an interesting chess match because they play so similarly in terms of the court coverage. Medvedev is one of the few guys that can match Djokovic in that yeah. department. So I think the serve is going to be key and also looking for some opportunities on returns on the Medvedev serve. If he can step in on some second serves, especially if he can get forward, that's been an added part of the Djokovic game. Uh, and I think that can give him that little bit of an edge, especially with how well Medvedev has played. But it should be an interesting match, a little different match than what we've seen so far. Paul, you, you, we were talking about this b beforehand. Three sets could go four hours I mean, yeah. with the way these two play. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's really simple. I think they play very similarly. They're both two of the best, if not the best, counterpunchers and defenders on tour, and they're both the best uh, offensive defenders on tour. The difference is Medvedev gives you an extra six to ten feet in space on the baseline because he's deeper. The question for Novak is, what do I want to do with that?
Am I going to come in? Am I going to let him take that space and I'm still going to stay in my patterns? I look for Novak to come in a little bit more. He'll serve and volley, as you mentioned, Prakash, a little bit, sprinkle that in. I think he may bring Medvedev in a little bit. I think it's going to be a little more difficult for Novak to hold serve because Medvedev returns so deep. If he doesn't serve and volley, he's going to be in a little bit of a trouble uh, holding as consistently. Um, but to me, it really is the ultimate chess match with these two players. And after watching Medvedev change his game yesterday, use his two-hander down the line offensively, go strong to the forehand corner offensively against Alcaraz, the most dangerous and quickest guy on tour, I'm not sure what to expect tomorrow from Medvedev because he could do a lot of different things. But suffice to say, there's going to be a lot of thinking for both of those guys. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, looking forward to it. 15th meeting between these two. Men's championship on the line. One will get 24 or one will get two. And that will be two U.S. Opens for Daniil Medvedev. Much more still to come here on TC Live at the U.S. Open as we wrap up this women's final. A reminder, the newly enhanced usopenshop.org is the official shop for 2023 U.S. Open merchandise. Get U.S. Open gear for the whole family. Check out a variety of one-of-a-kind U.S. Open accessories. Visit usopenshop.org today as Coco kisses that trophy. We'll be back with more. Welcome back to TC Live. It was November 7th of last year that Caroline Garcia raised the trophy in Fort Worth, Texas as the winner of the WTA Finals. And 10 months later, we finally got word of the location for this season's year-end championship. The top eight women in the world will be headed to Cancun, Mexico. So we bring John Worthon back in. And over the past two weeks, John, you have reported that Saudi Arabia was the front runner. Then it was the Czech Republic. D.C. was in the mix. How ultimately did Cancun, Mexico become the site for this year's WTA finals? Yeah, but about two and a half weeks ago, I was told Cancun was a backup if all else fails. And what you had was a lot of action behind the scenes. And you had uh, a bid from Saudi Arabia, but that had its, its problematic uh, aspects. You had a bid from the Czech Republic. That was problematic to some people, not least the fact that right now the Czech government, it's unclear whether they will allow Russian nationals and, and people from Belarus, which includes the number one player in the world, into the country. That's in response to the Ukraine crisis. But the fact remains, it was going to be problematic for the WTA to have an event in a country that might not allow all the players. So uh, it was a bit of horse trading, and they ended up with Cancun. The big question is, this is a, a one-year stopgap, or uh, might this be a permanent site? The thinking is that this gave the WTA one year to sort of reassess because it's not preferable for the tour to keep bouncing around, much less to wait until September to make this announcement. Yeah, certainly. And on that point, John, we had this situation last year. Fort Worth, Texas didn't have a lot of time. It was late notice figuring out where the WTA finals was going to be held. So what challenges promotionally, operationally, does this present now? We're less than two months out. Yeah, it, it is a problem. And keep in mind, too, this is a run-of-the-mill event. Um, for the WTA, this is their flagship event. This is where they get the most revenue. So players that the eight players that go can do very well. I mean, Ash Barty won one year and made $4.4 million, which was uh, at the time the most money male or female had ever won in a single tournament. So this can be very lucrative for the players, but it's really important for the tour as well. And there are not that many cities that on eight, 12 weeks notice can – have an arena that's open for an entire week that can do promotion, publicity, get the, the venue in shape for broadcast. It's a real challenge. So the fact that this went as, as late as it did, um, it, it hurts your leverage at the bargaining table, but I think it also makes things 
really challenging in terms of staging. What I have been told is that this is a good tennis market. They're very happy to be getting this event. Again, this is sort of a backup plan. So they've known that this was a possibility. Uh, Cancun has for, for months now. But uh, it, it's a lot of scrambling. The Billie Jean King Cup is an ocean away. The next mm. day after this event is done, it's, it's not an optimal situation. It's Cancun. It's going to be a party one way or another, John. And, and we remember Guadalajara, and certainly the atmosphere in Guadalajara was spectacular. But if you look at this, listen, it's been five different cities in five different years for the past WTA finals. When can we expect a permanent home for these, you know, spectacular year-end championships? That, that is a, a great question. Obviously, it's, it's the, the WTA doesn't want this, right? I mean, obviously, there, there are all sorts of extenuating circumstances. There's COVID. There was the Peng Shui situation. There was a decision to leave China. Um, you know, this is not something you necessarily prepare for, but the WTA doesn't want this. They want some kind of permanence. And you look at the men's and the ATP Tour finals that were in London for many, many years, and now they've moved to, to, to Italy. Uh, the WTA would like to come out with an announcement for next year, say, hey, listen, we're here for three years, we're here for five years, we're going to build this. The big question over looming all of this, and, and you know, quite candidly looming over a lot of tenants right now, is the role of Saudi Arabia. And are the tours players willing to go there? Are the commercial partners willing to go there? Um, I mean, you know, the, the thinking I've heard is that this is sort of a one-year deal so we can really reassess whether the WTA wants to go to Saudi Arabia, but that is sort of an in, in, that, that, that's an issue that's sort of underpinning all of this, Steve. We'll see. Uh, Tennis Channel, your home, obviously, for yeah. exclusive coverage of the WTA Finals, October 29th to November 5th, Cancun, Mexico. Look forward to it. John, thanks, as always, for all of your reporting on this and uh, for your help throughout the show. We'll see you tomorrow after the men's final. Thanks, guys. All right, Coco Goff. Well, she's going to be in Cancun. She'll be playing singles there. She'll be playing doubles there. She'll be doing everything. More on her incredible summer when TC Live rolls on. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
And that hot cocoa summer continued in New York City. From a 500-level title to a 1,000-level title, what's that next step? Oh, it's a Grand Slam crown for Coco Golf. Your 2023 U.S. Open Women's Championship, 18-1 since Wimbledon, with three titles in four events, each at a bigger and greater level. We'll get to that career high and be ranked as the number one American in all the land. What a spectacular summer it has been for Coco Golf. And listen, uh, how do we put this all in perspective? How did she raise her level after Wimbledon and get from, from that point to where we are right now? Yeah, it was just the hard work. It was the belief. I think that's most important. Mm -hmm. It's often difficult to reset, especially when you have that big of a disappointment at a tournament where you are, you know, seen as doing well, having the game uh, to play on grass. And I think for golf, that hard reset, along with being able to build at these tournaments this summer, and I think in particular that win over Iga Sviantec was huge. To have struggled so much against that particular opponent, and then to turn things around in the way she had to battle in that match as well, coming from behind, all of the things we talk about that golf does so well, she had to put it into practice, into play in real time. And I think that elevated her mindset more than anything else. We've seen the forehand, her going after that shot a bit more. I think that's been the key. It hasn't required this huge technical change. It's more of her positioning and the mindset on that shot. So I think a couple of those things have been the biggest changes. And you just never know when you're going to turn things yeah. around in this sport. You never know when success, your greatest success perhaps, is right right around the corner. And I think for golf, she left open that possibility and she believed. It's been phenomenal what she's been able to do on the court adjustment-wise, as you talked about, Chan, and getting that win over Iga, 18-1 and one this summer. But I want to talk about her faith. She's been pretty open about it. And even in Cincinnati, she talked about how, you know, she felt, you know, God covered her during these dark times. She lost to Sonia Kennett at Wimbledon. She had a rough clay court season as well. And, you know, we saw her in tears so much of the time. So she would have really had to go do a hard reset, but she's been pretty open about being able to rely on her faith. Even here, we saw some marvelous shots of her, you know, on her knees praying in gratitude for how blessed she is and, and the ability to be able to go after what, what she dreams of every single day. And I think that's been a huge part of it because when you can find peace within yourself however it is it just makes it easier in those moments and and also something for everyone to take away watching i know she inspires so many boys and girls out there but she talked about her tribulations and the tough times being the reason for how she's been able to push herself here marvelous to see yeah, it really is, Paul. And there's been some changes, obviously, as well in the coaching situation. Uh, you know, mom's still in the player box. Dad is not. But, you know, you bring in two new coaches as well. How would you characterize the importance of all that? Look, it's a lot of moving pieces. And usually it's really complicated to put them all together and to do it so quickly. And, and I think um, the biggest reason that's happened is because of her faith, her perspective, and her brain power. I mean, I, I'm a big believer at this stage in the game, the mind leads the body. She had a rough go of it at Wimbledon. She is arguably the best competitor on the women's tour. She's amazing how she doesn't ever stop fighting. I think the fact that she has all these things working um, in unison uh, just kind of ties in and has allowed the tennis to play itself out. She talked about earlier in the tournament how she really had a little bit of a reassessment of her perspective. She talked about what really is tough in life. She talked about people that don't know where their next meal is coming from or where they're going to sleep at night. I might lose this tennis match, but I'm going to play a million more. So I, 
you know, while you don't want to belittle those things so that you don't become a passive competitor, I think that perspective and that peace of mind allows her to, number one, know herself better, and number two, allows her to go out there and just execute what she does so well. And to me, the top of the list is the competitiveness. She figures stuff out. Not too many people can do that, especially at 19 years of age. It, it's amazing what we've seen. Yeah, and I think also, you know, we talk about her dad being in, you know, different box and kind of making that adjustment. It's not always easy when you have such a young player, a player coming up from a young age, their parents are super involved. They are, you know, the dad was the coach. And to shift and to make a little adjustment, to do what's best for your child, to work through some of that, it can be tremendously difficult, especially in, in real time in front of the world. And I think, you know, I give her parents a lot of credit because they are, you know, two of the most solid people. You can see where she gets, you know, just her base from. Uh, and I think seeing that little change that shows us that, you know, her dad was willing, you know, to make some adjustments, bringing in Brad Gilbert and Pereba. Uh, we've seen Jermir Jenkins with her um, through so many ups and downs. She's got a solid team. It starts with her family, with her parents. And I think a lot of that has come into play in this change, really, in, in golf's entire world now being a Grand Slam champion. See, seeing, seeing the family embrace after there, and even in Cincinnati when Coco talked about what her father has meant to her journey, I, I think all of us got completely choked up. But, Jen, you, you, you touched on it. I think there's an element, even, even at 19 years old, and your parents have been such a big part of you, there has to go a moment from being your parents' child to kind of being, being your own person out there. And, you know, I think Coco's taken ownership of that. It's a small adjustment. She's always going to be their little baby, and, and they're going to be as close as ever always. But to be able to have that slight shift mentally, bring on Brad Gilbert, who's done exceptional as her coach and sort of adjusted her mentality, adjusted a bit of the tactical changes as well. But just that little shift into, you know what, I'm the one running my own ship here, I think has been brilliant for her. You know, you're talking about the parents and the addition of Brad and Pear and, and, and these new people on his team and, and on her team. And I, I ran into Corey in Eastbourne on the street in Eastbourne, England, and I talked to him, and they were just starting with Pear then. And he said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm here at this tournament. I'm gonna go home for a week. I'm gonna let them practice during Wimbledon. I'm gonna let them kind of take root, let them get to know each other. I'm gonna kind of let that kind of get on a track a little bit, and, and let's see where that goes. And as a parent, I mean, I can tell you that is I can only imagine how difficult it was for him to go, OK, I'm always going to be your dad. I love her to death. I can help her with the tennis, but let's let these folks do this. I'll be there to support as always. It's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing to watch them all try to continue to problem solve for her betterment and for her well-being and uh Congrats. I mean, tip of the cap. It's just been amazing to watch. You'll make me cry on TV Live, Paul. She, she, she saw her dad cry for the first time. I'm not going to cry, Roy. Yeah, I'm not going to cry, Roy. <laughs> Faith, family, and being able to figure it out. What's your code, wife? Putting it all together. And here we are with Coco Golf. It's been such a pleasure to witness her make this journey to becoming a Grand Slam champion. Here is the race to the WTA Finals. Coco Golf has qualified. She is in that third position. Her doubles partner, Jesse Pagula, as well. Madison Keys won off the final spot. Coco and Jesse ranked number one in the world right now in singles, or excuse me, in doubles. And we'll have more Jesse next in our doubles segment. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back. We will be with you again tomorrow following the men's final between Novak Djokovic and Daniil Medvedev. Your only U.S. Open championship post-match show right here on Tennis Channel. Time now for some doubles action. The UCLA Pepperdine duo of Jen Brady, Luisa Stefani, looking to make the women's doubles final, facing former champs Laura Sigmund and Dara Zvonareva champ. And Sigmund at the net, she's got quick hands, used them beautifully there. She creates a lot of havoc with the movements. Zvonareva coming in, the far court and white backing her up, and they have made a terrific team. They've had some fabulous results, looking to give themselves a chance for another major trophy. Zvonareva there, putting the team in good position. It was a tight first set, and... In the second, they were able to use that momentum, get off to a quick start. Brady, it's terrific to see her back and doing well in the doubles here, getting some more matches under her belt. But it was Sigamund and Zvona Reva who were just too solid, too good in important moments, and they are into another final. Yeah, 2020 champs back in the finals. Zvona Reva looking for her third U.S. Open Women's Doubles title won in 2006 with Natalie Deshi. So Sigmund Zvonareva, they will face Gabby Dabrowski and Aaron Routliff, who, by the way, teamed up for the first time in Montreal and now have made their first major final together. Mixed doubles final was earlier today. Jesse Pagula, Austin Krychek looking to become the first All-American duo to win the U.S. Open title since Melanie Udan and Jack Sock more than a decade ago facing Anna Danilina and Hari Heliovara. Prakash, you and me know the situation. You go up to the sign-in desk right before the deadline. <laughs> you're not going to get in because you're ranking. What do you do? What do you do? Well, what did Heli Ibarra and Danalina do? They didn't even know each other. They just signed up right before the deadline, got in the draw, and look where they are now. Finals of the tournament. Get the first set under their belt. Can they possibly do this? I mean, after the storybook about getting into the event with not really knowing each other at the last moment, you think for sure the nerves were going to kick in right there. They did a little bit volley on top of the net. Again, no panic, though. Just stay with what's working. How about a little net movement, a little net coverage, and 5-4, two match points. It's not going to happen. Is it, Prakash? Is it going to happen? Listen, listen. When it's your time, it's your time, Paul. You know? That's a <laughs> That's just awesome. You've been at the sign-in desk, you and I both. And we're like, let's see. If we sign in with this person, we're not going to get in. We're going to get in with that What's person. What's your ranking first? Yeah, exactly. What's How about the first round prize money? You got a little something, right? They had never met. They had never spoken before they met at the registration. Uh, men's doubles final on Friday. History was made. Prakash, Raji Fram, Joe Salisbury going for the third straight U.S. Open title against your boy, Rohan Bopana and Matthew Ebden. Well, well listen, I uh, played with, with a bunch of these guys. Rajiv, since we were 14 years old as well. Just four really, really good guys out there. Uh, Rohan Bopana, the oldest man in the history of the sport to make a Grand Slam final. Singles, doubles, mix, whatever it is. So got to give him a lot of love for that. Draws his inspiration from his wife, who's kind of been able to take the limitations out of his head. He's been very vocal about that. It got tight here. In this third set, Bopin and Edwin had a chance. Bopes with that volley there could have done a bit more to be able to go up 3-1 there in that third set. Somehow, Joe really picked up his game here in the third set. It was Regine who was carrying the team the first couple sets. Of Cherry picker. The second set. You know what? you got to do it, Paul. you got to be able to do it, but Rajiv, three in a row, huh, for these guys? Three, three. Three in a row. Raj, he'll be 40 next April. You know, all these guys are young guys out there. Didn't they used to have 35 and overs, 45 and overs? Now they, I'll tell you what, really impressive to see this. Those guys can volley.
Salisbury is a great net. They thought about they thought about breaking up. Don't know if they'll uh, break up after this. <laughs> yeah, right. This win. It was like an average year until now, and here they are, major champs again. Remember to stay connected to the U.S. Open on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Join the conversation with hashtag U.S. Open. We will hear from both Coco Golf and Arena Sabalenka after a quick break. Welcome back. This was 11 years ago. Coco Golf dancing in the stands. Arthur Ashe Kids Day. By the way, the first one to do the dialed-in celebration. Just eight-year-old Coco had it going. It was Carly Rae Jepsen was playing Call Me Maybe on the, on the court. <laughs> and she was dancing the Call Me Maybe. And now 11 years later, this is the most got the trophy. priceless video of all time. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. But that leads us to, to our social segment because it is the most discussed celebration at the U.S. Open this year. And it's Ben Shelton. He had a lot of practice with his phone celebration. Meant he was dialed in tribute to his friend at Florida, who was a world champion track star. Prakash, what did you think of the Ben Shelton dialed in celebration? Well, until you explained it to me, I had my own interpretation. Okay. I thought he was answering the call to greatness. I thought destiny was calling, <laughs> and I'm thinking up. By the way, I like, and this might have been one of the coldest moves I've seen in a minute. Now, Paul, Jenna, I want to know what you think. I thought it was cold in a very good way. I'm talking about chinchilla out there. <laughs> When I saw it, I was like, ooh, no, he didn't. <laughs> it was a moment. And the hang-up was emphatic. I, I, it was, I didn't expect to see it, I have to be honest. I understood it, though, but I didn't expect to see it. Yeah. Well, you're here for this, right? Yeah, so look, everybody's got to find their own ways to get motivated out there, right? Ben Shelton is a tremendous player with a lot of passion, brings a lot of that college passion to the pro tour. I love his energy, love his game. It's tough, though. I mean, you see him doing this stuff, which is fine, but did it sometimes against Tommy Paul. I saw it a couple little boisterous outbreaks against his buddy Francis on unforced errors. You know, it's kind of a small community we live in. That's kind of a cold handshake. See the look? Yeah, both those guys. I don't think there's... Maybe we'll see a great rivalry come from all this. I don't know. Look, he is a great player and brings the energy. Um... But I want to stick to the tennis. I'm a tennis guy. Okay. Djokovic was asked about it after. He said, I just loved Ben's celebrations, so I copied him and I stole it. <laughs> that was sarcasm, I'm sure, at its best, Steve. Come on. Ben was asked about There's this no as chance. well. He said, if you win the match, you deserve to do whatever you want. But is that Agreed. true? Is that, you, is that true? You believe that? Absolutely. And he said, You deserve I, to do whatever you want. To an extent. And he said, You can do dialed in. <laughs> and he said, I learned growing up that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. At the end of the day, you have they to be able to. In their you have to be able to live with your decisions. <laughs> it's fine. It's, 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 we, we live in a very small family out there. Yeah. And everyone's going to know and feel a certain way about we it. We have a, an hour-long debate show, guys, coming on after this. If you want to stick around afterwards, there's going to be a lot of interesting topics. I, I see why be... Paul's on that side. <laughs> we have different views on this. Like no, we can talk about I don't think we do. But you can clearly do. tell Novak Djokovic is watching all of these oh, matches because yeah. he had the gesture. I mean, it's exactly what Shelton was doing at the end of these matches. I didn't really notice the hang-up until Djokovic did it, and then I went back and watched Chelsea do it. So it's interesting to see They're how players kind of take some of this stuff. And listen, you got to find it wherever you can. Novak will look wherever he can to be able to get that little extra that he needs to find his motivation and go out there and, and crush Ben as he did. But listen, just for the record, let me let me say it very clearly here. 
I'm here for all of this. Yes. Any of the players want to get icy out there? Paul, I know you're all about the tennis, but Prakash was doing this to me when I came in today. Yeah, the minute you came in. I walked in the room, Prakash was like, what are you doing? The only thing I don't believe I think it's too riled up before the show is that Ben didn't see it. Like, that handshake, I think he saw it. They gave him just that saying. should be an emoji. That Ben look, oh, that should be an apple emoji. Fire, well done, fire coming Well done, out. ladies. <laughs> Good job, Coco. She was dialed in. Good job, Marina. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. All right, the sun has set in New York City. Coco Golf is your champion, and it is time for our favorite segment. People, stars in the stands. The GOAT was in the house, Tom Brady. When was he there? He was there last night. Can we night. get a time stamp? He was, he was there last night. I don't <laughs> think he showed up to today's Novak after Novak's win. And how are there empty seats around him? Well, his kids were there. He, oh, maybe they left. Oh, I thought he next. just takes like four, so yeah. he has space. Yeah, yeah, he has two sons there. All right. I like it. I like to see Emily hey. Blunt, John Krasinski. Oh, it's great to see them there. Oh, love to see the office. Love these two. <laughs> <laughs> uh. How about Charlize Theron? She was there today. Shanda. She was hyped. What yeah, she, she was hyped. She loves yeah. What's she going to do another action movie? Man, she's just, she's the best. Who else was there? There were so many stars in the stands today. I mean, there were today. so many people there today. It was... Uh, that's it. All right, for more stars in the stands. We don't have a picture of Spike. There were tons. Spike Lee. Spike Lee was in the house. I tell you what, Kevin Durant, I think, was going pretty heavy. Kevin Durant. Honey deuces. Yeah. He was throwing a couple back, enjoying himself. Shaquille O'Neal was there. He's in training. He's in training. Training for what? All right, let's hear more from Coco Golf and Arena Sabalenka when they went inside the press room. The good news is that I'm. It's me against me. The bad one is that I'm still going. I'm still. Um, Having these issues playing against myself, I would say. <clears throat> Sorry, but um, but that's okay. I'll I'll work I'll work harder. So I'm not. Um, so next time I'm not going to get uh, even a little bit tired on court, and I will be. Uh, so I'll be better. Yeah. Yeah. When I lost the first set, I still felt like I was into the match, and I said. You know, I'm going to give it my all, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And even on that match point, you know, 40 love, like, technically the match was on my racket. It didn't feel like I had won. It was crazy. I was just trying my best to just focus on the point ahead of me. Paul, you had a little reaction to the no, I, Sabalenka? Just, I just found the Sabalenka yeah. part really interesting. She talked about her playing against herself, and we talked about this in the green room, about being true to yourself on the tennis court, right? She's very passionate, and she really has a lot of emotion, but she has to realize that some of that emotion might be why she gets tired, and you have to stay within a certain framework within being true to yourself so that you're really able to pragmatically solve problems under pressure. Hard to do that. Yeah, she is... The returning, defending Australian Open champion when, when we head back down under. So it is time now for our way, way, way too, early. too early. September. Australian <laughs> Open picks. Prakash, you got. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, now they're, you know, all of a sudden new names announcing themselves. Vondrasova winning Wimbledon. Coco coming into her own greatness here. But I think a certain player who's lost the number one ranking, she's home, she's angry. And she's going to come back with a bit of a vengeance. So not really going tremendously, 
out on a limb here, but um, I'm going to go with Sviantek. Iga Sviantek. Way, way too early Australian Open you know. pick. Paul? Yeah, there's so many good choices, and I'm not sure what our producer decided to write down for me, so I'm not sure what he's going to put up on the screen. <laughs> uh, but that being said, how can I not go for Coco after what I just saw? And I predicted this. Yeah. I think we all did. So we I did. Really, yeah. I can't act like I, like I was it. the only. We all called <laughs> we like Coco it. to win this tournament. So I, I think Coco's going to get on a roll. I think she's going to come back uh, in Australia and play great again and win that title. And go back to back. Yeah. Love right, Sanda. I like how you're thinking, Paul. I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. You know, I wanted to spare thought for Maddie Keys. Mm -hmm. You know, she played such terrific tennis, came up a little bit short in the semis against Sabalenka. I think if she can play that kind of tennis, right there. why not yeah. her? Absolutely. Why can't she get right one? There. You know, Absolutely. so. Wouldn't it be nice to see Maddie Keys win yes, the Australian indeed, Open? Indeed. I, I can visualize it. Yeah. I can visualize it. Yeah. She's got the weapons. Yep. She's, 100%. you know, putting it all together, more margin. So, way, way, put, way put, too early. You put it out. Here, 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 here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, here we are. She got that experience and wisdom building. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Why not? Why not? Why not? That's what I always said about Coco. Why not? Right? And it finally came true. Why not? <laughs> uh, congratulations once again to Coco Golf. First major title at the U.S. Open. Four of us, plus John Wertheim, will be back with you once again tomorrow following the men's final. Novak Djokovic, Daniel Medvedev. Paul, you picked many at the start of the tournament. You did. I did. I'm just saying. I it's it's Sunday. Let's get that cheap meal ready. Watch the final. Then TC Lunch. Pizza. I'll order pizza for Kyle. Oh, you're a dirty yes. man, Paul. You're a dirty man. Pizza and donuts. Pizza and donuts. I know. Very, it's, got, it's got grains. Test me and it's see. got grains. Test me and see. <laughs> <laughs> Coco Golf, oh, what a spectacular summer and what a moment to see her hold that trophy. A first-time major champion at the U.S. Open. Thanks for joining us here on TC Live.